back to your bubbles. These amendments are about ensuring everyone is staying small, staying with the people they know, and with people who are vaccinated. B.C. brings in new restrictions to slow down the surge. The return of travel testing for everyone. Well, it seems like the Canadian government has taken almost two or three steps back here. Another roadblock for cross-border day trippers. And wake-up call. This is an active earthquake zone. We see small earthquakes here each and every day. The Tembler fell to cross Greater Victoria and how it's a reminder to get ready for the big one. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight and we will have details on those new restrictions and the growing Omicron concerns in just a moment. But first, breaking news in a missing persons case. One person has been arrested in connection with the disappearance of Langley mother Naomi Onotera. For more, let's bring in our Jordan Armstrong. Jordan, uh, do we know anything about the person who was taken into custody? Sophie, very little at this point. Police are only saying the person was arrested today. But where, how and whether it's someone on a Terra knew, we don't know. This afternoon, neighbors noticed police had returned in big numbers to on home near 200th Street and 50th Avenue in Langley City. The RCMP's forensics vehicle is there, as you can see in this video that's just come in. The home is back behind police tape and neighbors say officers told them to watch TV for more information. Onatera has been missing since late summer. Her husband has said he last saw the 40-year-old leave their home the evening of August 28th. Friends have said she left without her phone and her keys. The next day, she failed to meet up with friends. One of them called her mother, who called police. Now, in September, as you might recall, police did an extensive search of the Onatera home and yard. They have not said what was found then, if anything. In fact, there's been no update on this very high-profile case until late this afternoon. So to recap, Sophie, one person has been arrested in the disappearance of Langley mother and teacher Naomi Onatera, but still no word tonight on charges. We do hope to get more information tomorrow morning when the homicide team has scheduled a news conference. Back to you. All right, looking forward to getting details on that case. Jordan, thank you. Pardon me. A new round of COVID restrictions is coming into effect just in time for the holidays. The rule changes are a response to the rapid rise of the Omicron variant, which will soon become the dominant strain of COVID-19 in B.C. Richard Zussman has a rundown on the new rules and how long they'll be in place. An early Christmas delivery. More COVID-19 restrictions. It is moving quickly and so must we. COVID-19 cases doubling in the province over the past week and continue to climb. Hey, hey how are you? That's why the province is restricting all personal social gatherings indoors to 10 people or one additional household. And there is a ban on social gatherings for anyone over the age of 11 who is unvaccinated. If you are unvaccinated or have members of your family who are unvaccinated, we cannot have personal gatherings in those settings right now. All New Year's Eve organized events are cancelled and sports tournaments cancelled as well. All restrictions come into place Monday and last until the end of January. These amendments are about ensuring everyone is staying small, staying with the people they know and with people who are vaccinated. The BC vaccine card being amended 
Venues with capacity of a thousand people or more must reduce to 50% of capacity. All events, not just those with more than 50 people, must now use the vaccine card and QR code checking and mask checking must be prioritized. I recognize that this unrelenting uncertainty and this evolving situation is very unsettling for many people and it can cause a lot of anxiety, depression and discouragement. Other jurisdictions are doing things a little bit differently than British Columbia. In Ontario and Quebec, restaurants and bar capacity capped at 50%. Here in BC, non-essential travel will not be restricted. Only an encouragement that anyone traveling within the province is vaccinated. We have been through a lot in this province and we need to be with family and friends over this period of time. The province now expects Omicron to become the dominant strain of COVID expected to surpass Delta in the next few weeks. A shadow over the brightness the holiday season often brings. The days are dark right now, but soon the winter solstice will be coming and the days will get longer once again and we'll be turning ever so slowly back towards the light. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, the new restrictions will have a major impact on many events, holiday get-togethers and businesses. John Hua has more on the sectors set to lose the most under these new rules. It seemed like only a matter of time before Omicron completely blew up people's holiday and New Year's plans. You can't host New Year's Eve parties, so... Uh, you can still go out with your friends and celebrate safely with them or with your family, uh, but you're going to have to keep to a smaller group. Restaurants and bars relying on party bookings are now left having to pivot around the return of provincial orders against mingling and dancing. Don't cancel your reservations right now. We can give us time to plan and find an alternative for you. It's going to be congruent with these laws that will make you have a fun night. One small silver lining, there will be no cutoff times for serving alcohol. So feel free to toast in the new year as long as you stay seated at your table with your party. It's going to be difficult and frustrating for everybody. Uh, so please be patient and let us uh, try and do our jobs to keep you safe. Venues that can hold a thousand people or more like Canucks games, movie theaters. I'll be the world that protects you. And concerts are now limited to 50% capacity. With this highly transmissible variant, we need to have more space, more ventilation. Brian Adams not taking any chances. His New Year's Eve concert now cancelled. Tis the season for winter hockey tournaments and around 200 BC hockey sanctioned events between December 20th and January 31st have been put on ice. It's not great news for everyone who is about to get in their car or get on a plane to go to a tournament uh, you know, next week. Um, but, um, you know, we're all in this together. A major blow for hockey teams and families now scrambling for refunds and host associations counting on registration fees to keep costs down. For those who put on the tournaments, it's a revenue generator uh, for the communities that host these tournaments as well. From rinks to restaurants, Omicron will be pushing many to adopt some early New Year's resolutions around patience and understanding. John Hua, Global News. And our case numbers continue to climb. B.C. has 789 new cases today. 
Three people have died from complications of the virus. 191 people are in hospital with 74 of those patients in the ICU. And 82.5% of eligible people aged five and older are now fully vaccinated. Cases of Omicron in this province have more than doubled in just the past day. For more, let's bring in Keith Baldry. What do the numbers tell us, Keith? Tells us that Omicron is on the move and is moving very quickly through B.C. and other parts of the country. As you mentioned, more than doubling today. Uh, so right now, yesterday we were at 135 cases. Today we're at more than 300 cases totally. Here's how they break down by health authority. The most cases by far on Vancouver Island, 145. That's an increase of 74 in one day. Vancouver Coastal, 93, an increase of 73. Fraser it was 58. And not much uh, Omicron in the rest of the province. Now, the good news is, even though Omicron cases are on the rise, 21% of the total cases today were Omicron. We're not seeing hospitalizations associated with these cases. And Dr. Bonnie Henry explains why. For a couple of reasons. One, because people are younger right now, and also because we have very high vaccination rates. And that is reflected in uh, the people who are getting infected right now, where we have not had hospitalizations in people in the community who've had Omicron that we're aware of yet. But we know that we see the trajectory in countries around the world, and we're not going to be an exception to that. We will see rapidly rising cases over the next few weeks, and we need to take additional measures to slow that down so that we don't overwhelm our hospital system. So again, not many hospitalizations, actually none associated with the Omicron cases. Uh, again, in terms of what this virus is doing, it could turn into a nuisance virus, is what epidemiologists call it, which means it hangs around, but it doesn't do a lot of damage. That's probably the best case scenario here. It will replace Delta as early as next week. It's 21% of the cases today. That percentage is rising exponentially every day. All right, we'll see what the next few days bring. Keith, thank you. Well, BC is standing by its decision to wait six months before giving booster shots, even as many other provinces are speeding up their programs. Many experts say the rapid spread of the Omicron variant has changed the equation. and They're urging the province to move faster. Aaron MacArthur reports. Around the world, the Omicron variant has forced governments to reevaluate COVID booster doses. BC health officials are sticking to their guns, however. Boosters will be given six months after a second shot. Preserving that, um, that interval between dose two and a booster dose gives us stronger, better protection for longer. And it will get us through not just this variant and what's happening right now, but also the next variant. BC has relied on evidence to space out the first two doses by eight weeks. In theory, British Columbians should still be well protected against Omicron. But there are experts who argue the science is changing so rapidly, exchanging long-term protection for immediate results might be valuable. People talk about it as a wall of immunity. We need to increase the wall of immunity of our population um, in order to um, reduce the amount of cases that we're going to see and the peak demand on hospitalization next month. More cases have led to more testing. Facilities have been inundated with people, some simply uncertain about the next two weeks. You know, we're going to see our, our parents and grandparents, and we'd rather have a peace of mind. The vast majority of British Columbians received their second dose between June and August, which means boosters will be on the agenda for many 
throughout December into February. But while the need is great, appointments will be limited over the holidays. In Vancouver, all the vaccine clinics will be closed Christmas Eve through December 28th. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, the federal government is backing up its advisory against non-essential travel by reinstating the molecular test for all travelers starting next week. As the Matagahi reports, the return of the test requirement applies once again to those who want to make a quick trip across to the U.S. Only three weeks after it was lifted, the requirement for travelers to have a negative COVID-19 PCR test in hand at the Canadian land border is back, with no exceptions, with the government blaming the emergence of the Omicron variant. I will say it again, now is not the time to travel. It was only Wednesday that Ottawa announced a blanket travel advisory asking Canadians to avoid non-essential international travel. It is now also beefing up the rules, which essentially go back in time to the way they used to be. The requirement for pre-arrival testing will therefore be in place again for all trips of all durations. What is different this time is those negative PCR tests need to originate outside of the country. So come Tuesday, December 21st, those people crossing back into Canada cannot use a test they took on our side of the border. Federal health officials now believe the Omicron variant that is more transmissible may also show up on testing quicker. You catch it and then the incubation period may be a little bit shorter than for the other viruses. It's almost like the Trudeau government is playing Scrooge here. American immigration lawyer Len Saunders spoke to us from across the border. He says the timing will be difficult for many, adding the restrictions put on what was once a reliable economic back and forth seem never ending. I understand the Canadian government having very, very um, you know, intense testing for people flying in from overseas, but merely popping over the border into the U.S. to grab groceries or, or go Christmas shopping and having these new restrictions, I think is definitely a step in the wrong direction. This is not a perfect measure, no, but it's, a, in a, it's an important one. With no promises, tighter restrictions will not follow. Amaragahi, Global News. The Washington State bed and breakfast owner who admitted to helping foreign nationals sneak into Canada will spend no more time in jail. Robert Boulay was sentenced today in B.C. Supreme Court and Paul Johnson was there. Sophie, this is pretty much exactly what Boulay and his lawyers had been hoping for. In fact, I saw them high-fiving in the hallway outside the courtroom after the judge read her sentence. The evidence against Boulay was exceptionally strong. In fact, our own cameraman even had video shot in broad daylight of migrants crossing from his property illegally into Canada. But the judge took into consideration Boulay's health. He's 72 years old, he has heart disease, Alzheimer's, a number of other conditions, but also, she said, the sophistication of his operation. She pointed out, compared to other similar cases that she'd looked at, he wasn't charging a lot of money doing this, and it wasn't a highly organized scheme. So Boulay gets a combination of time served, probation, and suspended sentence that he gets to serve out if he behaves at his home down in Blaine, the smugglers in.
Sentencing serves two purposes, deterrence and personal punishment. But what happens if the individual has a medical condition like dementia? The personal punishment will be largely unknown to the individual. But deterrence, a scofflaw on national television, escorting illegals into Canada, must receive some sort of penalty to deter others from doing the same thing. One other interesting point that the judge here made in Vancouver was that of the seven people who Boulay was convicted of bringing into Canada, they all got to remain in Canada while they their refugee and asylum applications. And that's something that tens of thousands of other applicants around the world who might want to be able to get into Canada immediately can't do. And this points to the importance of enforcing our immigration laws and not allowing this kind of activity to happen. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Paul Johnson reporting at BC Supreme Court. People on southern Vancouver Island can be forgiven if they're a little bit tired today. An earthquake jolted many from their sleep shortly after four this morning. It even woke up BC's top doctor. What the experts say about this latest shaker next on the News Hour. A major project planned for Vancouver's West End. How it could disrupt the neighborhood for the next five years. Later, plus the push to get more music into the lives of kids in Burnaby and the punk rocker behind the drive. Right now, though, several hundred people across southwest B.C. were jolted out of bed early this morning by an earthquake that struck off Vancouver Island. While the shaker was relatively small, experts say it's a good reminder to be prepared. Kylie Stanton reports. When the needles started jumping, people bounced out of bed. A rude awakening for many British Columbians, 4.13, Friday morning. It's been upgraded to a 3.8 earthquake, basically located uh, midway between Victoria, Vancouver and, and Nanaimo. It hit at a depth of just over 15 kilometres, which helped reduce the intensity. But it was still felt as far as 70 kilometres from the epicentre. So far, only one small aftershock was recorded just before the noon hour. There have been no reports of damage in, in terms of tsunami. This earthquake was, was too, too small to be, um, to be of any concern. But given the events of 2021, it's no wonder many people went straight to the worst-case scenario. As I did, um, sometimes it can be challenging to think, are we going to make it through this year? We are. It definitely shook people up. Many taking to social media in the wee hours, myself included, sharing their experience, writing we heard pictures on the walls vibrating and woke me up when the furniture rattled. So this is our most popular kit. So quite literally, a wake-up call. A lot of people do take it as an opportunity to examine their kits, to think through, was I ready if this had been worse? It's recommended to have a minimum of 72 hours of supplies on hand. We have toilet paper, all important. The essentials, of course, then everything from food and water to cell phone chargers, covering off the eight areas of preparedness. So that's food, water, sanitation, first aid, light, communication, shelter and heat. This was the 45th significant earthquake reported in the province this year. A year that's left all of us wondering what possibly could be next. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Coming up, Surrey's mayor faces more opposition. The mayor should not be sitting on a police board when he's facing a criminal charge. How Doug McCallum might have to face the city's ethics commissioner next. 
Plus, a controversial classroom test gets some prominent backers. Why Indigenous leaders are speaking out about BC's skills assessment. Still some leftover volume both ways at the Lionsgate Bridge. You're down to one lane in both directions at the moment. It's still super slow off the North Shore on Marine Drive. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. A group which petitioned to keep the RCMP in Surrey has filed a code of conduct complaint against the city's mayor. Doug McCallum is accused of making false statements in connection with his own complaint to RCMP over an alleged parking lot confrontation earlier this year. Catherine Urquhart has the latest. One week ago, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum was charged with public mischief in connection with his claim he'd been struck by a car. Now, a code of conduct complaint has been officially filed with Surrey's Ethics Commissioner. Asking him to rule on several violations, eight violations of the Surrey Code of Conduct, which governs the behaviour of council members, including Mayor Doug McCallum. Surrey Police Vote, which aims to keep the RCMP in Surrey, says key violations concern McCallum's legal bills being paid by taxpayers. Also, they say he's in a conflict of interest as chair of the Surrey Police Board. Among those who agree it's problematic, Frank Leonard, former mayor and police board chair in Saanich. And for him to be charged with, in layman's term, of lying to the police... That, in, in the real world, is a, is a very difficult situation. In 2019, Port Moody Mayor Rob Vagramoff took a leave of absence after he was charged with sexual assault. He briefly returned to work six months later, before going back on leave after a council vote. Vagramoff did not return to chair the city's police board until his criminal charge was resolved. I think if you ask ordinary citizens in Surrey or anywhere in this province whether the mayor facing criminal charges should be in charge of the police board, it's ridiculous. Surrey Ethics Commissioner Reese Harding is expected to review the complaint, then make recommendations to city council. As for the criminal charge of public mischief, McCallum is due in court January 25th. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Another battle has erupted over BC's controversial provincial skills assessment test. This one between the BC Teachers Federation and First Nations leaders. The BCTF wants the tests eliminated. But First Nations leaders call them a valuable tool that highlight inequities in the education system. Nithu Gautra reports. Whether in a First Nations-controlled school like this one, or a public school, good education for Indigenous youth is about more than getting ahead. It's about survival, says Cookpee Judy Wilson of the Union of BC Indian Chiefs. First Nations, we really need education to work for us. And a key component of that, she says, is ensuring the disputed FSA tests remain in place. For the funding, you know, we receive federally, uh, you know, we need some sort of monitors and we need some sort of indicators. She says it's key data collection that's long been supported by First Nations and included in legally binding agreements, which is why she's among seven prominent Indigenous leaders who've sent a letter to the province saying they're deeply disturbed by the 
the BCTF's campaign against the FSAs. We haven't uh, agreed with cancelling them. BCTF President Terry Mooring says the Fraser Institute's annual report using FSA results to rank schools, most often putting private ones at the top, hurts students at the lower-ranking schools. The willful misuse of FSA results for the purposes of unscientific school rankings should not distract us from our collective focus on improving outcomes for First Nations youth. The Fraser Institute says its rankings offer parents transparent information about their child's school. Mooring wants the province to implement interim measures until a solution to the student success measure is found. Mooring wasn't available for an interview but has long advocated for the tests to be eliminated. It's a one-shot test. It's not a complete picture about how students are doing. And so, you know, I have lots of students that have test anxiety and it seems like a needless stressor. We need our language, our culture, and our uh, traditional ways uh, shown to the younger generation. The transfer of that knowledge is equally important as, you know, the basics, math, writing. BC's education minister told Global News a meeting with the First Nations Leadership Council is scheduled for the new year. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Now, a clarification to something you may have seen earlier this week on the NewsHour. The ancestral canoe that was presented and gifted on behalf of the Canoes Cultures program to the Skolitz First Nation was built under the mentorship of Mike Billy of the Squamish Nation. The Billy family has a long history of canoe carving. Mike Billy Sr. is a seventh-generation canoe carver who runs the program at the park. The Stolo Nation is an amalgamation of many First Nations, including the Skolitz Nation. Fears of more congestion in Vancouver's West End. It's not just going to affect us, it's going to affect thousands of people. The five-year construction project that has residents on edge. Also ahead, a setback for Pfizer as it tests the vaccine's effectiveness on toddlers. A combination of winter maintenance and a new stall causing delays for eastbound traffic at the Portman Bridge. Maintenance has the HOV lane blocked and the stall has the left Surrey exit lane blocked now too. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Dewison in the Global Traffic Center. Businesses and attractions in Stanley Park and nearby residents are nervously watching plans for a major construction project. As Ted Trenecki reports, Metro Vancouver will spend five years building a huge tunnel under the park. In a busy, noisy downtown core, this is a little slice of paradise. A dead-end street next to Stanley Park. Greenery everywhere. But what's this? A major construction project is ready to start and last for five years. There goes the neighborhood. We accept the necessity of the project, but the sheer five-year timeline is, is simply hard to believe. We're doing whatever we can. We want to continue to work with, with the neighbors in there. We, we realize there's impacts, but we're you know, doing our best to reduce those impacts. Right under Vancouver's crown jewel, Stanley Park, Metro Vancouver is about to embark on a $300 million-plus tunneling project to replace an existing 90-year-old water main. The new pipe will be a seismic upgrade and double the volume of drinking water supplying Vancouver, Richmond, Delta, and Suwassum. 
The project consists of three shafts, one near Burrard Inlet, a main centre shaft near the Stanley Park Works Yard. We wanted to reduce impacts to the residents of the area by having most of the work occurring not only underground in a tunnel, but also from a central works area that's that's away from the residents. And a third and more controversial Chilco Street shaft. These shafts are needed to move dirt out and bring new material in, and that means trucks, lots of trucks. What it's going to be like when there's trucks trying to come out of, of Denman Street? Uh, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Denman Street's already congested. Lanes have disappeared in Stanley Park and on Beach Avenue for bicycles. And all of those trucks from all three shafts will be rumbling in and out of the whole downtown core for five years. We have already had one lady who was a, a very main um, part of our building move out of the building and put her, mar- her apartment on the market. A rendering of the Chilco shaft shows how big this hole could be, at least 5 metres by 5 metres in diameter and 40 to 50 metres deep. Residents here realize this project must be done. They just don't think every necessary mitigation effort is being made. Construction starts later next year and lasts until 2027. Ted Chernocky, Global News. All right, returning to our top story now, one person has been arrested in connection with the disappearance of Langley mother Naomi Onotera. For more, let's bring in our Julia Foy, who's at Onotera's Langley home, which is once again behind police tape, Julia. Yes, I'm on the scene at 50th and 200th Street, and the Onotera family home is behind me, where a number of investigators have been combing through the home for the last couple of hours. Now, this all started to be unfolding this afternoon. Police were arriving on scene, shutting off access to the street. Now, of course, everyone has been wondering if there's any new information surrounding the disappearance of Naomi. She's a 40-year-old mother of a 2-year-old girl. She is married and she was living with her husband in this home. But we're finding out tonight that IHIT is reporting that the person that's been taken into custody was not arrested here at the home. And they, of course, have not identified anyone at this point either. The best information that they are providing is that they're going to be putting out a statement at 7 a.m. Saturday and they hope to hold a press conference around 10.30 tomorrow morning. But Naomi, people have been praying and looking for her for several months. She disappeared back at the end of August, just days before she was beginning to go back to school, working as a kindergarten teacher. And again, a lot of people are hoping that there could be still some good news surrounding her disappearance. But at this point, the latest information is one person has been taken into custody in connection with her disappearance. Back to you. All right, we'll see what happens with that statement from IHIT tomorrow. Thanks for that, Julia. In Health Matters tonight, Pfizer says its COVID-19 vaccine is not as effective in kids aged 2 to 5. Vaccine trials have revealed the immune response for the lower dosage in that age group was weaker and didn't generate enough protection. Now, the dosage used is about a tenth, one-tenth of what adults receive. However, the study found in babies aged six months to two years, the response was comparable to that in 16 to 25-year-olds. Pfizer says it will now test three doses of its vaccine in this age group instead of two. Just ahead, a punk rocker with purpose. Music is that one unifier that everybody in the world understands. Joe Keithley's mission to bring music to as many kids as he can. 
All right, meteorologist Yvonne Shell is with us now. We're all on snow watch, Yvonne. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at another round of snow. It's going to intensify, especially overnight. A heads up, be prepared, especially for the early morning hours. We've got a few flakes that are flying there, but what we're tracking now on the satellite and radar is that snowfall moving across the island. It'll pick up, especially for Metro Vancouver, and it is going to move in towards the interior. Here's what we're tracking, especially for the morning hours. It'll be rain along the western edge, but we've got the snow level sitting anywhere between 200 to 300 meters, and it'll be cold enough. So most areas for Metro Vancouver two and up to five centimeters and higher elevations between five and ten centimeters of snowfall. The heavier snowfall moving in towards the interior and that snowfall continuing in towards Sunday. We've got lots of watches and warnings but uh, some key areas especially for Metro Vancouver higher elevations five and up to ten. And the Fraser Valley central and eastern areas ten and up to thirty centimeters is possible with the snow continuing through the day on Saturday. Sea to sky could see thirty and up to fifty centimeters of snow and it's along the western edge of the island with a significant amount of rain with upwards of 100 millimeters. The interior will see the snowfall for both days out of the weekend, extending in towards the southeastern corners, the mountain passes, higher elevations all the way in towards Sunday, and much of the central half or the central regions for the northern half of the province will see between 20 and up to 40 centimeters of snow. Sea to sky as well as the connector. Snowfall amounts will be in towards Saturday. It's the Kootenay Rogers and Allison Pass that I've included this included the snowfall amounts continuing towards Sunday, but you'll want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions, especially for the forecast for both days out of the weekend. Now, the northern half of the province inland, very windy conditions paired with that snow could see some blowing snow. The southern interior will continue to see the snowfall for both days out of the weekend and along the south coast, it'll be windy for areas that are closer to the water, but it's higher elevations that will see that snowfall and areas into the Fraser Valley could even see the risk of freezing rain. So heads up, we'll be tracking that snowfall fall for Saturday. A nice break will be on the way for the latter half of the weekend. All right, a great snowy pick. This one taken in uh, from Christina Lake, taken by Donna. Sophie? Lovely. Thank you, Yvonne. A different kind of holiday drive is happening tomorrow in Burnaby. The city is collecting used instruments in an effort to make music accessible to kids who want to learn how to play, but may not have the means to buy their own instruments. As Squire Barnes reports, the initiative is being led by someone who was once a familiar face in BC's punk music scene. Two years ago, the Harmony for All program held its first instrument drive. And the response was music to Joe Keithley's ears. Two years ago, uh, we gathered 170 instruments. Like uh, there was no limit to it. Like we filled three vans. The idea is to gather instruments, fix them up, and then loan them to Burnaby kids and provide lessons, all free of charge. The lessons uh, will take place at the Shadbolt Center, starting in April 2022. And then the idea is to move it into the school system in Burnaby uh, in September 2022. Keith Lee, of course, is a professional musician himself as the leader of the legendary punk band DOA. So he knows how playing an instrument can alter someone's life for the better. The thing is that when, when you start playing music, you start making friends. And I got to say, I was not the most popular person at uh, Burnaby North High, right? So... But when people say like, oh, you play guitar? Oh, that, yeah, that's cool. So it was that personal experience in his life that led Joe Keithley to lead another band, so to speak, Harmony for All. And the other thing that Harmony for All I think is going to be really good at is that it bridges cultural barriers. 
because, you know, we have a lot of new Canadians in Burnaby. And, uh, you know, music is that one unifier that everybody in the world understands. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. tomorrow at Burnaby City Hall, which I think is 4949 Canada Way, which is right near the school I went to, Burnaby Central. Oh, it all comes together then. It does all come together. <laughs> no, no upright pianos or grand pianos, please. They're no, too hard it's to a little move. difficult yeah, to move bit. around. All right. Oh, okay, so the Canucks have another COVID case. We'll tell you who that is. But how about another look at a confident and red-hot Brock Besser from last night? Went after it, and it deflected off the goaltender into the corner. Now it's center. Brock Besser shoots. He scores. That's the Brock Besser they want to see. Five goals in six games under Bruce Boudreaux. More on the Canucks coming up. And later, Friday Night Fun, Squire has satellite debris too. All right, more COVID trouble on the Canucks, Squire. Yes, just one though. Still not enough to uh, postpone a game. Tyler Mott is the latest Canuck to land in COVID protocol. That means they now have five players on the list. Luke Shen, Yuho Lamico, Brad Hunt, and Tucker Pullman as well. Also assistant coach Jason King. And as we said, not enough to postpone the game tomorrow against the Leafs, which is at 4 o'clock. And Toronto has COVID issues as well. Two of their players have been put in co- protocol. Captain John Tavares and forward Alex Kerfoot. I have to say, this COVID increase around the league is going to make players think twice about wanting to go to the Olympics unless things really settle down soon. Favorite part of last night's win over San Jose was this Brock Besser goal. The confidence, give me the puck, calling for the pass and then ripping it. Bruce Boudreaux told him when he got here, shoot more Brock, pass less. He has five in his last six games under Boudreaux. Paul Maurice resigned as the Winnipeg Jets head coach today. He was in his ninth season with the Jets. He'll be replaced by former Victoria Royals head coach and former Canuck player Dave Lowry. Maurice said he is quitting because he feels the team needs a new voice at the top. This is a good team. I'm a good coach. But sometimes when you take over a team and it's kind of like you're starting at the bottom of a mountain and you're pushing a rock up to the top, you can only get it to a certain place. And that's, that's where I feel I'm at. And if you would allow me some arrogance, I would say that I'm better positioned than anyone to know that they need a new voice. The Vancouver Warriors start their uh, home schedule tonight at Rogers Arena against the Saskatchewan Rush at 7.30. Like the Canucks, the uh, Warriors are feeling very good about themselves right now. They started the season with a perfect road trip. Goodwin thought he had something. Getting close in the crease, shot and goal again. The Vancouver Warriors are hoping this is the year they finally break through as a contender in the National Lacrosse League. There's been a lot of misery over the past three seasons. The Warriors have won just 11 of 49 games in that span and have not made the playoffs. But after a 2-0 start on the road, there's a feeling this year will be much more enjoyable. We're younger. Uh, we're a lot faster. Um, and, you know, we finally got some first-round draft picks in our lineup, which we haven't had in a long time. So um, that youthful energy, that, uh, it brings everybody else up, it brings the veterans up, it brings uh, the two- or three-year guys up. So it's, uh, it's a big difference for us, and, and they played really well. Patrick Shumay. Dolby out of the short box. Shumay. 
big stop by Bouquet. One of the new additions this year is goalie Alex Bouquet, who's been a big part of the quick start. And we mean big. Bouquet weighs in at 332 pounds. Never been a small kid, always been a unit, so, you know, just going to enjoy it and uh, work with what I got, you know, and, you know, I'm quicker than you think. He's one of the most agile guys I've seen uh, that size. Uh, he can get up and down across the floor faster than, say, a guy who's 160 pounds. Um, that's, a, that's a big advantage for, for a defense for our team. The Warriors feel they finally have a roster that can compete for a championship. They've got depth up and down the lineup, and there's a real excitement building that their time has finally arrived. We like what we're building here, and uh, we've got a great group of guys in that dressing room that want to win, and they want to battle every shift. So if you have that, and you got good defense, good goaltending, good offense, all that kind of stuff, good things are going to happen. Because of outbreaks on some teams, three NFL games won't be played until early next week. The Raiders in Cleveland move from tomorrow to Monday afternoon. The Browns have 24 players in protocol. The Eagles in Washington go Tuesday because Washington has 23 players in protocol right now. And because the Rams have 29 players in protocol, the Seahawks will now have to play them Tuesday at 4 o'clock, which means a short turnaround for Seattle's next game, which would be five days later. It's a big burden on the players. It's a big burden on the recovery time. It's not. It's not what their bodies want to do. They're they're trained to, you know, to, to have a whole week and to, to recover, and they don't get it. So, in that regard, nah. If if you know if our game could move back to Monday, that would help us some. You know, I don't know. That would kind of get in the middle of the next week as well. So um, well, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, not a, not a fan of that for the for the players' sake. No, it does. It does throw everything mm -hmm. off. All right. Okay. Thank you, Squire. Stick around, though, because we have Satellite Debris next. All right, Squire, Satellite Debris, Christmas-themed, I'm guessing. Yes, uh, the first one is. When I was a kid, every year the Charlie Brown Christmas special was on. You waited for it. You expected it. Just like the Mariah Carey commercial is for Satellite Debris. Giving, a time for caring, a time for sharing. It's the last bag. I saw them first. Uh, don't think you did. I think I did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. Did. Didn't. Thank you so much. Walkers. Too good to share. Well, I guess it is Christmas. <laughs> don't have, the, don't have the good dishes out when she's around. <laughs> okay, so this is a commercial um, about a sleepy bear and tea. 
Fifty years ago, I drank some celestial sleepy time tea. Now I'm here, and let's be clear, I'm confused. Everyone has a computer in their pocket they do LOLs on. They record themselves in their spawn. It's like we live in a simulation, but the players are all gone. I want to post some GIFs, or is it GIFs? I want to do it, see it all. This phone isn't even connected to the wall. Anyway, if you need me, I'll be here, catching up on life from the last 50 years. Also, what is kale? <laughs> All right, last but not least, uh, McDonald's tells us what to do when some guy in a group of friends decides to treat it like a career move. Aí, galera, agora aquela do Ovo Maltini, mais crocante, mais cremoso, mais gostoso. Chegou fazendo barulho. So weird thing. My childhood cat loved Ovaltine. Really? How how would your childhood cat have ever got a taste of Ovaltine in the first place? Well, my mother would drink it and the cat would like freak out and get in there and start just drinking from her cup. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Cats are weird. Thanks, the Ovaltine. <laughs> there was no straw involved in that Ovaltine. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's give the final word to Yvonne because we're all watching the forecast right now. Yeah, snow is really going to pick up heavy at times. Two and up to five for most areas across Metro Vancouver, then five to ten. It'll change over to rain, but heads up in the Fraser Valley. We're also looking at the risk of freezing rain and the heavy snowfall will continue for the central and eastern areas of the Fraser Valley as we get in through the day on Saturday. Much needed break will be on the way for Sunday, but still seeing snow and heavy at times for the interior on Sunday. So heads up. And don't forget to bring your used instruments to Burnaby City Hall tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m.? That's right. Okay. Have a good night and a great weekend, everyone.